All right, so we've been doing a series on, on worship, haven't we? It's been good? Excellent. There it is, worship. Beautiful. Is my clicker going to work this morning? Oh, look at that. Very good. Excellent. And so I'm just, so we've been going for, this is the third week now. Last week was awesome. Hey, I had an awesome time last week. It was really great. Um, but I just want to give a quick, quick run through of what we've looked at over the last two weeks and then hopefully wrap it up a bit today because uh, this is my last week. Neil, our senior pastor, is away and Catherine has been mentioned. I'm Matt, assistant pastor, uh, and it's my privilege to bring the message today. So we've been doing this series on worship and so the, the first question that we asked was what is worship? And we went, we went through and we looked at some dictionary definitions and all that kind of thing and then uh, realised that that wasn't really going to cut it. And so then uh, we looked at uh, the way that God intended worship to be. And there were some characteristics that I came up with, that, that worship is intentional, that, that true worship is intimate, is between us and it's between God. It's about devoted time. And as we worship, we grow in relationship with God. We grow, actually, we grow in relationship with each other when we gather together to worship. And we, we learn about what it is to be a follower of Christ as we worship Him, as we declare the promises that are in his word and we find restoration and we find refreshing don't we and so there's this thing where we the, the whole point is that we are created to worship every single person is created to worship we looked at how how God created the world and he had this intimate relationship with Adam and Eve in the garden and then sin came into the world and it broke it broke that relationship and then we looked at the fact that there there are actually many forms of worship and we looked at some examples through the Bible. I sent out some Bible verses. Anyone actually take the time to read those Bible verses? Oh, come on, guys. Let's get into God's Word. Hey, it's good. It is His breathed Word. And there's some great encouragement for us in that. And so there was a number of examples that we looked at. And then we looked at the fact that Jesus restored worship, that it was, that it was through His death on the cross there was blood that was poured out that took care of sin, that removed the barrier that enabled us to get back to this place where we could truly worship God the way that Adam and Eve were able to worship. That Jesus' blood was shed and it removed that barrier of sin and it enables us to be in this incredible place of being able to truly connect in with God in worship the way that he intended to. And then there was a challenge for us not to, not to neglect our gathering together. Do you remember that? So it's good that you're here. Thanks for coming, guys. It's great. But not just on, not just on Sundays, but also during the week as we, as we get into connect groups and we get around the Word, connecting together so that we don't lose track if we're on our own. It's very easy to get distracted when we're on our own. And there's this challenge to be in a space of, of worshipping in spirit and worshipping in truth. The death of Jesus on the cross has enabled us to be in this place where we have his spirit in us and we can worship him always. And then we had testimony last week. That was pretty good, hey? Yeah? Testimony is so good. Thanks, Keith, for sharing this morning the testimony of what God was doing in your life that enabled you to get into this place this morning, to make that a priority for you. But we had Russell and we had Alison and Naomi and Brennan and Sue and they all got up and they shared about worship and what worship meant to them and we saw incredible testimony of things like the importance of the bible and the psalms and and how they enable us to worship and and the acknowledgement that god is actually in and in everything and can be in every situation 
Yeah, my, my wife, Alison, who was up here doing communion this morning as well, she shared that when she was an early mum, I think that's right, an early mum is the word she used, a young mum maybe. Anyway, she talked about the fact that she found herself in positions when just the chaos of having little kids running around and all that kind of stuff, that she'd, she would invest like every moment that she could into acknowledging who God was and working for him. So, you know, doing the dishes, doing the washing, doing all that kind of stuff. So I'd like to say that I gave, I've given Alison plenty of opportunity for worship. <laughs> I learned that early on in our marriage. And so, yeah, I love to leave the dishes uh, for Ali to, to worship and to just be in that place of intimacy with God. But no, no. So God, you know, God is in, worship is in everything. There's opportunities for us in the midst of our struggle to recognise God. You know, Naomi shared about having just this horrendous week and going down to, to Wagai Beach and just sitting and experiencing the presence of God as the wind blew and she looked around, you know, noticing things like a double rainbow last week as she came to church, the incredible things that, that God does. You know, recognising that God is good in the midst of every circumstance that we find ourselves in. You know, Sue talked about the importance of, of song in her life, of, of the fact that, that the songs that we sing are filled with the promises of God that are based on biblical reference and that's how she learnt to, to learn um, scripture and learn to read even, I think she said. You know, what an incredible testimony to who God is and what he is doing. Now, you may or may not have noticed that there's someone sitting down the front over here at a table doing some drawing. Or some, is it drawing? I don't know. Anyway, Rachel is down here. Oh, Rachel, do you want to come and just show us what you're doing and share with us? Hey, um, good morning, everyone. All right. <laughs> First experience up here. Um, so Matt asked me last week if I could start a picture um, through and draw it through the worship service and then show everyone, and I said no. <laughs> 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 I was like, no way. But um, then I thought about Matt's words, and Matt said, well, look, do you think you could start one like at home? on Sunday and then bring it in. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So last week I live streamed the worship service and um, started a new piece, which is called um, Treasures from Heaven on Earth. And um, just a little bit of background about the piece. Oh, but before I say that, it, you know, for me art is a form of worship, but I actually didn't join the dots together until Matt sort of asked me. So um, that practice, uh, I try and practice art daily. It's intentional. Um, I, you know, it's being present. It's being still. It's focusing on things that are good. Um, I had a whole spiel about it, but I won't go into it. Um, anyway, so, so this is the picture that puts an idea into an image. And last year I started looking um, for treasures that have been given to us on earth. 
and um, they're not worldly things. So when you sort of put that in your mind and you look around, you might find something like a sunset um, or a sunrise, which I have been painting. And then, um, so then I actually realised that um, God has put treasures from heaven in us. And some of you are probably not surprised by that. And so this picture is representing that idea. And it's actually a picture of my son, who is a treasure from heaven on earth for me. <laughs> but you guys can come up with your own um, meaning to that picture. Thanks. Awesome. Good. Hey. Thanks, Rachel. So Rachel's going to just keep working on that. Feel free to come and have a look afterwards and see how that's progressing. But pretty cool, hey. I will, I will say I was a bit disappointed when Rachel said to me that she wouldn't do it. Like, I had this whole idea in my head of people, you know, someone painting or whatever in the midst of worship. I've seen it before. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And so I was having this conversation. I hope Rachel doesn't mind if I share this. But I was having this conversation with Rachel about it and she said no. And I'm like, and then she said, you know, Matt, this is, you asking me to do this is like me saying to you, can you come along on Sunday and, and write a worship song and then perform it at the end of service? That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Hey. <laughs> so, Rachel, thank you so much for stepping into that space and worshipping in that way. How cool is that? Hey. So, so worship, it is all of life. Yes? yes? Do you get that now? I'm hoping that through this, our attitudes have been reset. I know that mine have been challenged in this process. I knew this was the case. I know that God is with me in all instances and that I can call on him in everything. But our worship is all of life, everything that we do. It's in our waking up. It's in our going to work. It's in our playing. It's in our triumph. It's in the midst of challenge and battle that we face. It's in the midst of rest. Our worship is an acknowledgement of God and who he is in all of our life. It's that, it's that intentionality. It's, it's the, the, the taking time, to, dedicating time, setting aside time to be in his word and responding to what we read. You know, the, the Bible is so crucial for us. It is, again, it, it, it is his breathed word that brings life to us. We cannot neglect not being in his word. You know, and so as we, as we read from his word, we reflect on that and it speaks deep into our hearts. We need to allow it to speak deep into his hearts. And so this morning, I just really want to wrap up all the things that we've talked about. I want to, I want to just you know, acknowledge that, that we need to make sure that we've we're got the right idea of what worship is. That it's about us drawing our attention to God, acknowledging who he is and responding in, in whatever way that looks like for each of us, whether that's art or whether that's going fishing or whether that is being in his word or whether that's doing the dishes or whether that's in the midst of the struggle at work and the challenges that you find of reaching out to God and saying God I know you are here with me and I honor you with what I'm doing you know when we when we truly worship God with with all of our life we find that that worship has impact that, that it impacts on us 
And we find that worship is powerful, that it refines and it refreshes us and it, and it heals us and it restores us and it renews us and it encourages us, even though what worship is, is us handing stuff over to God. It's us acknowledging who God is. There's this, there's this incredible blessing that God pours out on us when we draw our attention to him and we acknowledge who he is in the given situation that we find ourselves in. And our worship, you know, it, it testifies to things, doesn't it? The ability to come and share the fact that, that, you know, God has miraculously defrosted Keith's freezer. You know, that's something really small, but it testifies to, to the interaction that Keith has had with God. God, I can't possibly go to church this morning. And God's like, well, I can fix that because you need to be there. Yeah? It testifies to his goodness. It testifies to his power. It testifies to the love that he has for us. Because when we worship, we remember the the fact that, that we have a God who loves us, a God who created us to worship, a God who sent his son Jesus to die for us so that he can take us in, so that we can be in relationship with him. And so this morning, what I want to do is I just want to, I want to quickly look at a, at a number of different passages that reflect on worship, on passages that have impact. And so the first, the first story I want to look at this morning is the story of when, when Solomon has, has built the temple. Okay, so Solomon was the son of David. David is known through the Bible as being this incredible worshipper of God. And he had, he had this super desire to build a temple for God. And God said no. Because David had gone, he'd, he had killed all of these people. He was this incredible warrior. You'd probably know him from the story of David and Goliath. And that was when he was 14. And he continued on destroying God's enemies all of his life. And so God said, no, you are not building my temple because your hands are covered in blood. But one of your children will. And that child was Solomon. And Solomon, so Solomon was given this task of building God's temple. And it took him 20 years to do it, to get all the resources, resources together. And there's, if, you, if, you, if you go into the Bible, there's all of these chapters and chapters of the minute detail of how this temple was to be built. And so he abided by all of the rules and the, all of the measurements and the structure. And, he, and it, the day had finally come. 20 years in the planning had finally come. And there's this, there's this crazy sacrifice the first thing they do is they sacrifice and I, I don't actually have the numbers written down in front of me but it's like tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of cattle and goats and sheep were sacrificed as preparation for the grand opening of this amazing temple and they brought the Ark of the Covenant in, the, the, the Ark, the box that contained all of the, um, the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets and different bits and pieces that they had carried with them when they were in the wilderness. And they brought that in to the place. And so there were these plans and there were people that were lined up to do different jobs. And so we're going to just have a quick look at that, which is found in 2 Chronicles 5. And it says this, it says, All the priests who, who were presented had purified themselves whether or not they were on duty that day. So, hang on, have I gone too far? No? That's there, good, sorry. Um... Okay, so they had all come ready for this opening. And the Levites, who were musicians, were dressed in fine linen robes 
and stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres and harps. And they were joined by 20, 120 priests who were playing trumpets. The trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Sort of like what we do when we gather and we sing together. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals and other instruments, they raised their voices and they praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. How cool is that? You know, Solomon, he had plans. He had plans that were 20 years in the making of what was going to take place when they opened that temple. But God had other plans. And I think for us, sometimes we just need to acknowledge who God is and stop. To stop and just be in his presence. You know, despite Solomon's plans, despite our plans, God has better ones. Because God is good and he is faithful. And his love endures forever. You know, as I said before, they, they had plans. This is, this is 20 years in the making for this moment and, and everyone had their roles to play. It said, you know, they, they'd all cleansed themselves and they're all wearing their, the right robes and the, and the Levites were there, the worshippers were there and they had been practising their harps and their lyres and the song that they're going to sing and the trumpets were going to play and this has got to be good. And yet God just wanted them to linger to remain in his presence, to experience his presence. And so in and through that, they were impacted by that, impacted so much that they couldn't actually continue the job that they had worked so hard to fulfil. And everyone that was there would have been impacted by that experience as they experienced the power of God. And so as we gather together, there is, this, there is this opportunity for us to make sure that we are drawing our attention to God because that's what we're here to do, yeah? When we gather together, when we, when we stop, when we open his word, we are here to be in the presence of our incredible Father God. And that has impact on us. Worship is powerful. Worship testifies to who God is. And, you know, sometimes we just got to get out of the way. You know, to not, not let our plans be so fixed that they interrupt what God has in store for us. You know, so, there's, there's a, that's, so that's, that's one account. That's a pretty cool account. I want to talk about another account that we find in the New Testament this time, in Mark 14. And it's, a, it's an act of worship that is an anointing of Jesus. And when this anointing takes place, it's a, it's a few days before the Passover feast. It's a few days before Jesus is crucified. And the, and the circumstances that, that Jesus finds himself in is that the priests and the teachers of the church, they're, they're in this place and they're, they're trying to work out a way. How can we capture Jesus? How can, we, how can we secretly take him away and get rid of him? How can we kill him without making a fuss so that no one actually recognises 
that he's gone. So they're, they're busy plotting to get rid of this Jesus who is making them look bad. And then we see this account. So it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And so they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticise her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you, may, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. And I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed, just like we are this morning. I love this story. This is, this is just an incredible act of worship. As this woman comes and she pours out this expensive perfume on the head of Jesus, anointing him and preparing him for his burial. And there are so many different facets to this story. So many different challenges that we can, we can take from this because there's the, the challenge of, well, what's she doing pouring out all of this expensive stuff on Jesus? And the offence of that and getting, you know, why are you doing that? There's the, there's the challenge of, of recognising that here is Jesus in this moment in, in the days leading up to his crucifixion. He knows what's coming and, and he's even saying it to them He was saying to them, you will always have the poor, but you won't always have me. He knew what was coming and he's, he's literally saying it to them and they still don't get the fact that he's going to die in a few days' time. And so there were those who were offended by waste and, the, and then there was Jesus who was being blessed by this incredible act of worship. But the thing that really gets me in all of that is everyone in the room would have stunk like that perfume. There is, there is no way that you couldn't be... You know when you go through like a shopping centre and they've got the little perfume... We don't have them up here, I'm a bit disappointed by that, but you go down south to one of those fancy shops, you know, and you walk through and they're squirting. The, there's a Mr Bean episode about that that comes to mind, but... You know, you come away from there and, and the, the stink is just covering you, isn't it? You know, and there's this, there's this challenge for us that... One, you know, what is it that we bring when we come to worship? What, what, what does what we bring into the presence of God smell like? Now you can think about that in any way that you like. Because sometimes we come with an attitude that honestly stinks. And that stink permeates the room, doesn't it? You know, we can come in, if we've got a bad attitude... People will know we've got a bad attitude and that influences and impacts the way that we worship. And so there's this challenge for us of what is it that we are bringing in our times of worship, whether that's here together or whether that's in our own quiet time. You know, what attitudes and expectations do we have? If someone comes in and does this amazingly extravagant thing, do we get offended because why are they doing that? 
or they're worshipping different to how we would expect worship to be, are we getting offended and allowing that to impact the way that we relate to God? And so there's this question of when we come, what are we bringing? But then when we go, what do we smell like? What, what, what stench, if I can put it that way, are we taking out into the world around us that God is calling us into? And then as we go about our week, as we come and we get, we get refreshed and we get renewed and we get revitalised and we go out into the week and we're beaming like Moses did when he's been up on the mountain with, with the presence of God and people go, what's that smell? You know what I mean? Not real smell, we're deodorant, but people will recognise the stench, the impact that worship has on us. Okay, so I want to I want to leave that one there now, and then I want to talk about another story, which is another favourite of mine around worship, and that is the story of King Jehoshaphat. And he was the king of Judah. And so it was at a time when when the nation of Israel was split in two, and Judah was one of those parts, and that held Jerusalem. And Jehoshaphat was the king at the time. So Jerusalem was where the temple was. So that's where the the temple had been built by Solomon. And King Jehoshaphat gets these news from people. He says, there's three surrounding countries that have joined forces and they are marching on Jerusalem. And so King Jehoshaphat obviously is significantly scared by that fact because there's this massive army of three nations. Interestingly, three nations that God told them not to attack when they were coming from Egypt into the Promised Land. They left them alone. And so King Jehoshaphat calls together the entire nation of Judah and invites them to fast and to pray. And then they come and they gather together in worship because they want to know what God has for them in this situation. They won't want to be distracted by what's coming, but they're seeking his direction. They're seeking his protection. To be honest, I think they're at a complete loss as to what to do because they are so far outnumbered by what is coming towards them. And so King Jehoshaphat calls them to worship and the first thing he does is he reminds everyone in the room, he testifies to what God has done. He talks about the fact that God has protected them out of Egypt through uh, the, the wilderness and into the promised land. And here they are. He also talks about the fact that, you know, God, these are the ones that we didn't attack. What are you doing? But he calls the entire nation together to worship. And they're praying and they're declaring the goodness of God. Everyone is there. It actually specifically says that every man, woman and child gathered to worship, to pray. And as they gathered and as they worshipped, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one man who was just sitting out in the crowd. And he was a Levite. So the Levites are the, the tribe of God that, that God had designated to be the ones responsible for leading worship. And so there's this one guy there in the crowd and this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he says this, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is yours, is not yours, but God's. 
Tomorrow march out against them and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeriel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. So that's the word that is spoken. And then, so King Jehoshaphat goes and he, and he talks to a few people to work out, are we going to do this or not? And then we read this. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Notice any similarities between this and the previous one? At the very moment that they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, so that's the three countries that were coming against them, to start fighting among themselves. And the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every single one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they then began attacking each other. And so when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder and they found vast amounts of equipment, clothing and valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it. And on the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And it is still called the Valley of Blessing today. What an incredible story of worship, hey? What an incredible testimony to the power that God has and the way that he works. You know, unlike unlike Solomon, King Jehoshaphat, you know, Solomon had plans. Jehoshaphat, he had no plans. He didn't have it together at all. All he knew was that they needed to gather together. To take this time to to testify, to remind each other of of the incredible things that God had done in the past, to to worship in the midst of the struggle and the doubt. And they gathered and they worshipped and then someone recognised God's prompting and had the boldness to stand up and to declare it, to declare that truth, to proclaim the victory that God has. The fact that God is victorious, the fact that there is nothing that is impossible for our God. Now again, did you, did you notice the similarities in the words between the songs that were sung in Solomon's temple and the songs that were sung as these enemies came? Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. God's faithful love endures forever. Songs, songs and words that enabled them to sing in unison and to, to declare that common message, the message that is God's truth. You know, for, for King Jehoshaphat and, and the people of Judah, they sang in one voice and they declared God's faithfulness. 
You know, as they did that, the message encouraged them. I think it was more about reminding them about who God was rather than reminding God of who God is. And that enabled them to take the next step and to take the next step as they walked towards something that in, in worldly view, everyone would have said they were walking to their death. Yeah? But as they walked, they worshipped. As they walked, they testified to God's faithfulness and in doing that, they saw his victory in their situation. You know, and it was an unexpected victory too and, and it, you know, it took them three days to collect all of the plunder. I think that is just an incredible testimony to the blessing that God pours out. You know, and the, and the, the same challenge rings true for us. Because God's love never changes. And our thankfulness to Him should never change. And so I want to encourage us to be in this space of, of stepping into every single situation, every single day. The moment we wake up to be proclaiming God's faithfulness to know that his love endures forever, to know that he walks with us so that we can walk into whatever situation we find and know that God goes before us and he has victory in those situations. To then testify to the fact of what God is doing, to proclaim that which then encourages each of us to come together, to gather, to testify to that. To recognise that, that God love, God's love for us endures and it will continue to endure and it will never falter and it will go on forever and the victory is still his. And it's a victory that he's inviting us into every single day, every moment of every day. So don't neglect the, the opportunity to gather together to come on a Sunday, to get into a connect group, to, gra- to get together with people and, and get around God's word, to recognise the promises, to talk about the challenges, to testify to the things that God is doing so that we can boldly step forward into the next thing, to witness and testify to the things that God is doing in and through the victory that he already has. You know, to gather together and to come and to to present this sweet-smelling sacrifice in our worship to God so that we can leave from this place with this amazing smell that people recognise as we walk out into our week with our eyes fixed on Jesus and our our hearts in this attitude of worship and and proclaiming of who he he is and and recognising that that God is at work in, in and through every situation that we find ourselves in. You know, we, we have this incredible invitation from God to be in relationship with him through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And again, because of that sacrifice, it, it removes that blockage that is sin. We are restored back to how God intended us to worship right in the very beginning when he would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the night and they would share life together. God is inviting us into this space of doing life with him. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross means that we can truly worship God as he intended with all of our life. Again, worship is with all of life. 
and to live our lives as we're instructed in Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable, because this is truly the way to worship. Let us worship him with all of ourselves, with all of life. Be impacted by his work in and through us. And let's, let's worship him with all of our lives in, in spirit and in truth, in the, in the many, many different ways that that presents itself. You know, offering all of ourselves to him, the gifts and abilities, the talents for his benefit, for his glory as he walks step by step with us into every situation. Living for his benefit, living for his glory, living to extend his kingdom through our worship. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for who you are again this morning. I want to thank you that you indeed have the victory. I thank you for Jesus and for for his sacrifice on the cross, Lord God, for the blood that was spilled, for the sacrifice of his life that was made so we can be forgiven, so that our sin can be removed, so that blockage that, that stops us from being in true relationship with you is removed. God, I pray that we don't take that for granted. I pray that each of our lives would, would reflect who you are, that our lives would be an offering of worship, that our lives would, would truly be that honouring sacrifice. God, help us to, to be in the midst of every situation and acknowledging who you are. being reminded of the incredible and enduring and unfailing love that you have for us, for the incredible power that you have, that nothing is impossible for you so that we can walk into any situation knowing that you go before and that you have the victory. We just honour and glorify your name, Lord God. Use all of our life, every aspect, for your glory. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to close our service there. We're going to sing. Aidan's going to lead us again, the team. The front, as always, is open for prayer. I'd love to be able to pray with you if there's anything you need prayer for. And Shannon and, and our elders are here who can pray as well. Um, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with God. I want to tell you that, that Jesus died on the cross for you to take your sin so that you have this opportunity to accept the invitation to be in relationship with our awesome and incredible Heavenly Father. So that you can receive the gift of eternal life 
and forgiveness. And so if you don't have that relationship, you would like that. I, I want to invite you to come to the front. I want to pray with you as you make the choice to accept that incredible invitation. But let's stand. Let's worship our incredible Heavenly Father as we close our service.